Fear the Walking Dead, the podcast, an unofficial discussion of the news and events surrounding Fear the Walking Dead with Quinn Warner, Stephen Payne, and Bruce McGee. I'm Bruce McGee. And I'm Steve Payne. I'm Quinn Warner. And this is the Fear the Walking Dead podcast, episode zero, for August 18th, 2015. Welcome. <laughs> this podcast is going to be about the Fear the Walking Dead series, and uh, we wanted to have an episode zero where we can talk about what the show's going to be and then the background for zombies in general. So, uh, Quinn, why don't you start us off? Oh, also we have a guest with us. Hi, I'm Savvy Woods. I'm apparently an expert in zombie mythology. She is. She's been telling us stuff from Haiti, so we'll get to her in a little bit. But first, Quinn's going to tell us a little bit about the upcoming show, which will be starting in a few days. Right. The subject of our podcast to be, it's going to be a new series called Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, It's kind of a prequel to the Walking Dead series, the original that's been on uh, AMC for a good while now. And the creator is almost uh, saying it's a side call and an after call yeah. as well. Yeah, so. I read about that. Uh, it's created by Robert Kirkman and Dave Erickson. Robert Kirkman was the one that uh, wrote the original comics, uh, along with, oh gosh, like Tony Moore, Charlie Adler. Um, it's been green-lighted for two seasons so far. Uh, season one's going to have six episodes, and then season two is going to have 15 episodes. It'll be airing on sometime in 2016. Uh, it'll start this Sunday from our vantage. Really? The, the first episode. I didn't know. I'm, so <laughs> I'm not prepared at all. <laughs> oh, you will be. You popcorn, so buy popcorn. Oh, oh, I can't wait. Well, anyway. This Sunday night on AMC. So, uh, Tune in, folks. Not Absolutely. Yeah, we can watch it together. Um, it's going to be set in Los Angeles, California. Uh, the main cast is going to be a divorced male teacher, a female guidance counselor, and her two children. She's a single mother, but from what I understand, the teacher and the guidance counselor are engaged. So, Yeah, and Kim Dickens is the, um, the one actress I recognize. She's the guidance counselor. Right. She was on Treme, which is also... A, post-apocalyptic series about Ooh. rebuilding New Orleans after Katrina. Is um, she being typecasted? <laughs> I know, I know. Well, in that one, she was a world-class chef who's trying to keep her restaurant going. Um, That's and like in, the most realistic yeah. like character for yeah. someone in New Orleans. There are so many world-class ca- chefs there. Right, right. And uh, that was she was one of the central players in the show. That's where I became a real fan of her as an actress. Oh, so. yeah. So, keep going. Um, You will have the main cast. Um, You'll also be having recurring cast members. Um, Like you said, Kim Dickens is the the guidance counselor. We've got Cliff Curtis as the English teacher, who is Madison Clark, Kim Dickens' character's fiancé. Apparently shares custody of his son, whose name is Chris, with his ex-wife, Lisa. And then we've got other recurring characters, Dr. Bethany Exner. Uh, we've got Strand, who is being described as a smart and sophisticated man with a mysterious past. Well, he won't last long. <laughs> There's, always. <No. laughs> There's always one. Oh, yeah. There has to be at least one. So I think it's... Uh, In our podcast, that would be me. 
<laughs> I actually think it'll be really interesting just seeing just these like very brief descriptions of the characters that we have so far. I think it'll be really interesting to see their dynamics and how their characters will be sort of fleshed out as they're having to deal with this zombie apocalypse, which is uh, the Fear the Walking Dead series. Its prequelness comes about as, you know, it's an illustration of the zombie apocalypse that you as see in The Walking happens. Dead as it's happening, right. as it's unfolding. Yeah, Stephen and I were talking earlier, the Walking Dead series is more of a Rip Van Winkle kind of story where this guy <laughs> magically has been in a coma in a hospital full of zombies who yeah. haven't eaten him. And also he's not getting his... IVs, yeah. but somehow he stayed alive for like three months while the whole world collapsed. Yeah, you kind of just show up in the middle of this happening. You don't really right. know how it happened. You're just like thrown in there. So this will give you some like hardcore world building. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. We'll watch the zombie apocalypse as it happens. While it was an interesting plot device to have that character sort of wake up in the middle of everything and sort of learn his way through the zombie apocalypse that's been happening for years or however much time, it'll also be interesting in Fear the Walking Dead to see how these characters are going to deal with just zombie apocalypse is happening for the first time. How are they going to deal with that? And people have fallen in love with this universe. And I think the original conceit, if you will, was we're going to turn the zombie apocalypse on its head where normally you're in a house or somewhere and these people come wandering up. You've seen Shaun of the Dead. (laughs) It's my favorite zombie movie. And, you know... Zombies are a metaphor for monsters. I mean, monsters are a metaphor for different social ills. Oh, yeah. And in him, it's just the boredom of modern life because he's basically a zombie at the beginning of the movie. Uh, Everybody they see is basically a zombie, and so how do you tell the zombies from the actual living people? Mm -hmm. um, I really like Sean because at first he didn't realize that these people were zombies. He just thought they were acting weird. Right, right. Like, it's so common. Yeah. <laughs> right, because... Ennui. Right, everybody is, uh, I'm at my job one more day. And yeah. So, um, but most movies, you see the zombies come on and then how do people deal with it? And then they make it through that first night and that's it. And yeah. so, what would a real zombie catastrophe look like on down the road? Right. And, um, society, you know, um, Stephen and I have talked about this too. Society, especially modern society, is a rather fragile flower, if you will, mm. or like a big Jenga block. You know, what <laughs> part can you take out? Without the whole thing falling apart. Without the whole thing falling apart. Uh, my grandmother owned a dairy farm in South Mississippi, and eventually she retired. She's a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, she kept we should set her up with a guy that y'all right. met. <laughs> She kept a couple of cows, and she would go out and milk the cows by hand in the morning, separate the cream, make butter, make it into a mold, and then go to town and sell butter. And if you wanted butter, you bought it from Mother's Bell. Uh, she sold it to the store, and it was just in the dairy case. Our butter comes from New Zealand. So what's going to happen when the boats stop sailing, or when New Zealand floods, or you know, when there's another oil crisis or, you know, whatever is going on. Yeah. We'll have to start uh, getting stuff in tech dairy. <laughs> right, except they closed it mostly down yeah. uh, because of globalization, you know, and we don't do things local anymore, so we're ripe for an apocalypse and, you know, the show says at one point Which in the, the trailer... Which the right craves, by the way. Yeah, there are a lot of... Well, I think that's Craving. the metaphor of people that 
are hell-bent on destroying the society that spawned them. Yeah. It's nihilism, like the yeah. version I've talked. It's, and they don't the believe in anything because their brains have been sucked out. Right. By Dr. Ben Carson. Uh, <laughs> I'm a doctor. And I, I take out brains half at a time. And, uh, he, he says that a lot. And uh, that's where Republicans come from. Um, I'm a leftist, folks. I'm and I'm, I'm not uh, a scientist, dude. So, anyway, yeah, the one scientist on there. So, um, yeah, at one point in the trailer it says when civilization collapses, it's going to collapse fast. And... Uh, Edward Gibbon wrote The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, which stretched from 400 A.D. to 1450 A.D. with the fall of Constantinople. Constantinople. Like six volumes. It will not be that long for us to collapse. Yeah. Because it's just going to, you know, the electronics will go out, and then our super nice iPhones won't work anymore. It'll be one wrong Jenga block. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing will collapse, and it's kind of scary. I'm there getting goes a little, your water supply, too, and everything I'm getting else. a little freaked out talking about yeah. this. Well, you should meet my mom. She's a, uh, she's a doomsday prepper. Oh, my. A very low-level one, but uh, she's, like, making her own cheese she's got lots and learning of toilet how to make paper. butter and stuff like that. Do y'all have cows? Uh, no, we know someone who has cows, and it's actually illegal to sell unpasteurized milk. So anyone who wants to make their own cheese has to get the milk under the table. She has a hookup. Yeah, somebody can hook her up. There's this entire. And they like, also black grow her weed. Unpasteurized milk, I guess. <laughs> the farmer that grows the weed and the unpasteurized milk. <laughs> we won't narc him out. So oh, no. we want your mom to snitch. We'll to change everybody's her, name. Make her cheese and special brownies. <laughs> Um, but that's honestly all that I'm really seeing so far. Oh, okay. So, actually, something cool that I oh yeah, go ahead. I think is really cool, even though the series hasn't been broadcast yet since it will this Sunday, but it's already actually won an award. Um, <laughs> For the best teaser? Yeah, actually. It, it was <laughs> E! Online's Best Ever TV Awards. It won the new show You're Most Excited to See Award. Ah, anticipation. It's very, there's, the hype is real. Well, so. The Walking Dead <laughs> is the number one rated show for the 19 through 49 demographic, which is the one they really want. It's a big demographic. <laughs> I'm just a hair out of that demographic. I'm a little old for it, but... Uh, all, my only, ex-wives say, all my ex wives say, I'm only ex-wife, in it. Me too. <laughs> all my ex wives assure me I'm very immature. So uh. we're the last gasp of the baby boomers. No, really, because they usually cut it off in '64, '65, yeah. and I was born in '63. Oh, so I'm the very tail end of the baby boomers. So this is a spinoff of the Walking Dead um, series, and the series is based on the comic book. Um, you know, say a yeah. little about the comic book. Um. This is savvy talking. <laughs> the comic book was written by uh, Robert Kirkman, and who was it? Who was it illustrated by Tyler? Moore. Tyler something, I think. But um, it was Tony Moore. Tony Moore. Tony Moore. Tony. Um, and it follows the plot of the show pretty closely. Right. There's tons of source material too because it's been going on since 2005. Right. And so if you're watching like a show like iZombie where the comic book and the TV show were completely different, I'd say read the comic and watch the show. But with something like The Walking Dead, you could really get away with just watching the show. 
Right. But I do think that the comic offers like a lot of insight into the characters. You get to see inside their head in a way that you wouldn't really get to see inside their head just watching the show. And you may know you some of their backstory. You have to do yeah. a lot of voiceover or flashback yeah. to do yeah. the pull on that. But, um, and there's also, and I'm a huge comic book reader, but there's also a lot more you can do with a comic book. Just the... Um, the suspension of disbelief is done in a different way. Right. So fantasy works completely different in a comic book. Absolutely. They're able to have way more gore than in the TV show. Yeah. In the comic book, because it's not as disarming than if you're seeing actual literally. Like, blood. <laughs> yeah, literally <laughs> disarming. <laughs> um, but they always have like plenty of gore in the TV show, so the... The, there must be a whole lot in the yeah, comics. Yeah, the comics are, they get pretty gory at times. But it's black and white, right? Uh, yes. And images, you know, on TV it comes across differently. Yeah. Um, Orson Welles had a theory about that. I was reading something the other day, or hearing something the other day, off of the film um, Paper Moon, and Peter Bogdanovich was talking about calling Orson Welles as he was shooting that film and he said he was going to shoot it in black and white and he said or he was asking for advice about whether to shoot it in color or black and white and, and Orson Welles said shoot it in black and white because everything looks better in black and white yeah. it looks more stark it well, really stands out a lot better blood has a different look in yeah. the black and white I like, like if you remember you the shower scene blood in black and white you know, right even if you can't see how red it is you will know if it's blood oh. right and it's uh, it's so spooky. There's something completely spooky different. about black blood, right? Spew uh, factor. Like a night, of, like a night of the living dead. Yeah, one of the earlier. earlier that was comics. black and white, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, one thing we should note about Walking Dead, and you probably know this already if you're a fan, um, is that they don't call these reanimated corpses zombies because no. in this universe they don't have the zombie mythology. Um, Nevertheless, we're going to call them zombies and uh, talk about, at least today, about the the background with the zombies before mm-hmm. Walking Dead. I guess the thing, before we leave Walking Dead, is a, you know, the background for this. Um, zombieism, you know, there's a different degrees in different movies and different treatments about how affected a person is like is there a trace of the former person in there yeah. like i zombie which we were yeah. talking about before we started recording um she's got her full personality um if you go without eating for too long you become a regular zombie and well in i zombie the interesting thing is that uh when she eats brain she gets the personality of whoever she eats yes too. right that's interesting yeah. so uh she'll Play piano very, for a night, yeah, right? A very <laughs> so that's a really traditional, you know, like ancient, some ancient cultures and some yeah. of the you know, Native American cultures, you know, oh, eat yeah. some of those yeah, body like parts. Eat, eat the heart to gain courage or something. Right. Absolutely. So, um, we talked about that when we did the Apex class. Remember with Bob Youngman? No. And taking on the taking <laughs> on the taking on the attributes. Of, oh yes, 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 yes. Is uh, the, it related the, to totem? Is, is it totemism? Beowulf uh, was oh, mainly, yeah. it. but also uh, Odysseus. Who's, Grandfather was a kind of a werewolf figure. Yeah. <laughs> which means lone wolf. Anyway. Uh, um, in some zombie shows, you can, like, what was the one about Romeo and Juliet? Um, oh, that would be... Warm Bodies? Yeah, Warm, warm Bodies, bodies yeah. yeah. He could be brought back by love, right? And in <laughs> iZombie, you may be able to bring him back by medicine. Uh, Maybe. You've got her, uh, her... 
partner in crime who is a another uh, Emmy. It's interesting because in the comic, the character he aligns with is a um, it's a were terrier. So it's oh, like a werewolf, except but a it turned into a terrier. So oh, funny. Yaffy. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't have were terriers on the TV series. No, so. you don't have any of the other characters. Like in the comic book, you've got like. Her best friend's a ghost. She I goes see. and like fights a vampire. I guess None they wanted it to be simpler. It's very Not such a complicated than the mythology, material. right? A little bit less paranormal. Like they they changed the the main character's name from Gwen Dillon to Liv Moore. Right. It's a little <laughs> on the nose for me. <laughs> um, but the zombies in uh, or the walkers, as yeah. we usually call them, um, mm. in The Walking Dead have no redeeming quality. You can't no. bring them back. You can't tame them. They keep doing experiments well, we on them. you can have them as a pet, apparently, if you <laughs> chop off their arms and rip off their lower jaw. Yes, I watched that last night <laughs> on the reruns. It seems practical. I, I well, would keep the scent, as a pet. the scent of the zombies keep other zombies away because it covers the scent of the living. Well, I right. would absolutely keep a zombie pet if I were in that universe. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like the smart thing to do. Everybody wants to be Michonne. Yeah, Michonne. <laughs> just got to get some uh, badass swords. That's it. Swords and zombie. Pet Can zombies. Can do. Can do. Armless zombies. That's right. Amazing. If you kept them with their arms, they could carry your stuff for you, though. True. Yeah, but they can also scratch you. Right, right. Oh, that's another thing I wanted to mention about the show. When you die, you become a zombie because it's, it's endemic. Now. Yeah. Do um, we know if it's a virus or a bacterium um, or? I don't think we know what it right. is. We just know that it. At first, it wasn't like in the air, but now it is. Right. It's and everybody be a virus has infected. If it's mutating that much. Yeah. You would think. And in some some um, so it's not a chemical agent either. Yeah, in some movies it's a chemical, uh, you know, like yeah, um, toxic waste gets yeah. spilled into a graveyard, and here comes the zombie. It's reflecting the fears of the time. Right, it always does exactly. Yeah, which is similar to you know the way we get Godzilla from radiation. Um, so. <laughs> So, yeah, which leads me to, there's a little problem I've always had with the show as far as, you know, it matching up, everything uh, fitting together. Like, if you get a cut, you can survive it. If you get a bite, it will infect you and die, but you're already infected. Yeah. So why would that make you die? Um, so, wait, so you're saying that if you get bitten by a zombie, it doesn't turn you into a zombie? It does. It, it does? does. Okay. But you're already a carrier. Right. You already have the zombie virus. Because you've been cut, right? No, it's just it's in the terrible. air. Oh. It's so if you, if, you natural, zombie virus. if you die of natural causes, you also become a zombie. So everybody has the, like, the propensity to become a zombie yes. just by existing. Yes. And then well, once they die, maybe they it's a, Maybe it's two different strains. You have the airborne strain, <coughs> and you also have the strain that comes... That's in the bite. Yeah. Or the... I don't know. I don't know. I'm it not could be. I like that as an explanation. That could be like or those binary chemicals where by themselves are harmless, but then you mix the two and then they can, they're used a lot in murder mysteries to kill people. Or yeah. maybe the bite doesn't binary actually, is. isn't actually, um, maybe the bite itself has multiple components. Like you have the infection, but maybe also uh, 
it produces something in like the salivary glands that cause death, well, and the death also, triggers zombification. It could yeah. also be just the virus load. Like you already have a certain amount in your yeah. system. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, and it overloads your immune yeah, and then when they bite you, it just or? puts more germs into you than you can handle. So if you've got a dirty knife, yeah. that could give you an infection too. Maybe the zombie is venomous. <laughs> Like you were saying, maybe it's got like I don't know. Maybe via zombification, you like develop these weird zombie glands. That's kind of cool. Yeah, theory. that it can like death. inject it. Like in the strain. Yeah. Uh, have you been watching that? It's no. a zombie. It's a <laughs> well, it's a vampire show, but some of the vampires are mostly zombies. Very um. um, few graduate to be intelligent vampires. <laughs> um, a class system. <laughs> That's it. A they they have a definite class system. Yeah, it's Nazi <laughs> zombies and Nazi vampires. So, uh, they believe in the hierarchy. <laughs> What's that one like Nazi zombie movie, like Dead Snow or something like that? I don't know. It's on Netflix. Somebody find out for me. <laughs> you think it's called Dead Snow? I think so. I know that the cover is like a zombie Nazi head, like in the snow. Oh, funny. So I need to watch it. It was so, good. Yes. So. <laughs> Uh, anyway, The Walking Dead, uh, if the new show moves like the old one, it'll be kind of slow unfolding, yeah, like yeah. The Walking Dead. Well, I think it'll be a little faster because maybe. the first season's only six episodes. Right, so, so they'll have, have to, to move on. A little yeah. bit in that first season. Like in the... Um, Just in order to have a, a nice in the, part. In The Walking Dead, you'll spend a whole hour with the governor and Rick talking in yeah. the barn. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's all about that. Another one, they spend the whole hour trying to get putting out of a grocery store or something. Yeah. So. Don't know if we have exactly that much time for <laughs> character development. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but they might. Who knows? Who knows how it'll work? Maybe. Um, I don't know. Uh, the Walking Dead, it's gotten to the point where it's kind of like um, watching uh, other long-running shows like The X-Files or something where you have some episodes that are essentially filler episodes so right, you can kind of right, skip over right, them. Right, right. One-offs. Yes. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. They don't fit in the arc. But there are a lot of filler episodes because it's just such a slow-moving show. Yeah. But they don't ever have that many episodes. What, do they go up to like 15 a season at most? Yeah. I've got that right here. Well, I, I think that's kind of understandable. If you're having, like, zombie apocalypse things happening, there's not... So many plot elements that you can come up with other than a zombie is here and it's causing problems. Yes, well, they either so. spend their time fighting zombies or fighting I mean, people or yeah, sometimes the fighting The show really germs. isn't even about zombies. It's about like the interaction between the, the survivors. Right. Right. And the end of the civilization. In, all the main antagonists are people. Exactly. I mean, the zombies aren't smart enough to be a main antagonist. Right. <laughs> They're more of a Greek chorus yeah. that yeah. bite you and... You know. <laughs> Join the chorus. It's kind of like um, in sixteen like, is the most they've had. Like a video game where you have like those low level monsters. Oh you yeah, get, like hordes of low level monsters before you fight the boss. Oh it's yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. It should be a boss zombie. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, a mob is, uh, movie. It's like governor. a mob movie where you have to fight your way through all the henchmen so nice. to find your way to the boss. Okay, you know? so we were going to talk a little bit about the background of zombies in movies and TV. So, Stephen, I think that's you. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking here. Um, the first zombie film, seen, first full uh, feature-length zombie film, seems to be White Zombie from 1932. It's a uh, film by with starring Bela Lugosi, the famed uh, actor in Dracula, and a lot of very similar types of horror uh, films. He was also in Svengali. He goes on to work in the 40s, and then he has a real career decline working with Ed Wood. 
um, Plan 9 from Outer Space and films like that. Um, the earliest zombie film, this white zombie, takes place in Haiti and uses a lot of uh, imager, imagery from Haitian folklore. And we're going to get um, back to Haiti in a minute yeah. with Savvy. Yeah, and it's it's actually based on a film, I mean, I'm sorry, based on a movie, uh, can't say it, based on a novel, there we go, called The Magic Island. The thing was um, released in 1929 and then, as I said, made into a film in 1932. Uh it was a really, really popular film, White Zombie was, but it produced a lot of mixed results. You had people at the time who really liked it or really hated it. And it's since... What were the zombies like in that movie? Um, let me read this little thing. You can kind of make up your own mind. It says, here the zombies are depicted as mindless, unthinking henchmen under the spell of an evil magician. Okay, that's more classic. Exactly. Yeah, and the magician in Haitian mythology would be the uh, Bokor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you would have the levels where you move up to, um, you know... To the boss. The so Uber, right. Mm-hmm. The fight the, <laughs> you fight the lower class zombies. And interestingly enough, and this, this goes on, of course, to the, to the 1960s, you have... Uh, the film by George Romero, Night of the Living Dead, which most of the listeners have heard of, probably was real classic. Was that when zombies changed? Yes, he, he's credited with sort of metamorphosing the, the, the genre, the whole genre. It becomes... But he never even called them zombies. <laughs> exactly. He called them ghouls. Right, which is really? out, out of Arabic legend, in fact. And it's, ghouls are demons. They're not undead. Right. Ah. odd that he would call them that. Now, there is... There well, ghoul kind of... I think you may have changed the meaning of the word, because you have them in other novels yeah. after that where they eat the dead flesh of deceased people or... As, as an aside here, the, the famous radio and pulp magazine character, The Shadow, fought a, fought a, a villain, a supervillain, actually called Rodil Makino, the voodoo master. And if, if the listeners remember, when The Shadow movie came out, I think in 1994 is the date of the thing. Yeah, it was one of the Baldwin brothers. It, yeah, exactly. It was optioned to have a sequel. And in the sequel, originally, The Shadow was going to fight the voodoo master. And Nothing it, and, of tickets sold. And it, and it is more along the line of the white zombie. He's, it's using a lot of this Haitian imagery, and he's controlling people telepathically. And it's, it's right. you know, But he's doing it for a criminal enterprise. Well, this is kind of the stuff I write. He's doing am- it all for... Amazing, it's not supernatural. Amazingly, that was the plot <laughs> device in one of the main James Bond movies. I mean, if you <laughs> live and let die. Yeah, they got it right. Who would ever, you know, he's at Mardi Gras in New Orleans, and um, they've got a Baron Samiti kind of figure that's controlling the zombies. Jeffrey Holder, yeah. Jeffrey Holder, the actor. Um, and then they wind up in Haiti, right. and we'll get to the New Orleans Haitian connection in a bit, but. It's amazing that they took the time to do some homework because that's the same one where I think it was Roger Moore was mm-hmm. running a bunch of across the bunch of a <laughs> backs of a bunch of alligators. <laughs> it's pretty corny. Uh, he had this really redneck sheriff, um, mm-hmm. which you do have in Louisiana. Absolutely, uh, you know, um, just not so much in New Orleans. It'd be more like yeah. Washtenaw Parish. No, he was out from New Orleans. That was when he was out in the countryside. Yeah. But um, anyway. Um, you know, and people still watch. Was it Live and Let Die? Live and Let Die. Yeah. It was Jane Seymour's debut film, I think. Um, was she the one that could see the future? She was the fortune teller. She was teller. the fortune teller, yeah. And he ruined her by having the sex. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, James. So, anyway, the, um, you know, you see that. That's kind of the older fashioned version of yeah. the 
voodoo witch doctor who has some kind of drug and all that. But there becomes a like, there's a great divide between like zombies who are kind of more or less resurrected from the dead, mm-hmm. and then zombies who are become zombies after like still being alive via right. like a virus or some sort of chemical or toxin right. or something. Yeah, and one and thing back to the Walking Dead, uh, the thing that collapses civilization is they're overrun by the zombies because. It's too contagious. Right. Like, um, you know, the police get bitten even with all their armor. or uh, And uh, the one kind of last hope that you had at the beginning of, you know, there was this guy who was a scientist in a bunker under Atlanta. <laughs> at the, um, what CDC. Is CDC, right. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he goes full, like, um, heart of darkness and... Yeah. A drama to strain. He blows up the CDC, and there goes the last hope for humanity. Yeah. Right? Uh, there's no cure now because there's no civilized place left where they could make a cure. Right. And the one guy they come across, who's the guy with the um, with the mullet that uh, they're trying to get to Washington because he's a scientist. Um, no idea. <laughs> it's in the last season. Sounds very useful, though. Well, except he's shining them on. He wants them to try to save him. Uh, he was a high school science teacher, and he knows nothing. Uh, um, <laughs> he finally confessed it to them, so they wouldn't take him across a huge zombie field trying to get to Washington. I want to want to bring this out too about these oh, yeah, zombie films. Going. Yeah, um, and they don't even bring this out here in this article from Wikipedia. But there's a movement in these zombie films from being more supernaturally oriented to being more science fiction. Yeah. There's, a yeah. Real, there's a distinct difference or a line of demarcation between the two. Movements. That's what you were talking about. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, 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 the, and again, the intent is even different because in these old, in these older films, but also in the pulp fiction I write where you see a lot of zombies, it's almost always involved in a criminal enterprise. Almost always. Is well, somebody trying to cheat somebody? They're trying to, you know trying to get a fortune, a treasure, or whatever else. Well, in Haiti, it was a metaphor for slavery. Yeah. Because you enchant them and then make them work for you for free. Well, who does that? Mm -hmm. You know, uh... Yeah, and it's, it's with these with these other things. It's a way these, these comic book stories and these pulp magazines. It's a way to bend reality <laughs> because it's not a real zombie. Yeah. It's it's the semblance of a zombie. You know, they've been drugged, uh, and, and oftentimes they can be brought back uh, if you have a counteractant. But in the meantime, we've bent the reality such that such that things are not what they seem. Uh, until the end, when the hero saves the day, so right, to speak. and that's what well, like, yeah. the split is. I think that right. it's more sci-fi. Like, mm-hmm. it's definitely a paranormal thing when people are being raised from the dead because we like know kind of it in violates our hearts, the natural order. Of yeah, things. that can't happen, but it could it's be. very plausible that something could happen with science, where something goes totally awry. Science is not our savior. Probably not our savior. Probably the original idea is that zombies are a spiritual. Yeah. Supernatural manifestation, but yeah. in all the ones we've been talking about so far, it's something from the scientific universe. If we could just find the virus and right. uh, give a shot for it, then it's a critique know. of the Enlightenment. If you yeah. go back to the core, it's, and that's that's my area of literature, it's a critique of the Enlightenment. It's saying science is not our savior. That's actually a really good point. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, it's, it's, Night of the Living Dead was the huge movie that changed the way. Yeah, it's, see it's the real. It's the real sort of watershed. Okay, well, let's move back even behind that. Um, 
to Zombies in Folklore, which is you savvy. Well, let's talk about some Haitian folklore. So, um, <laughs> the Haitians believe in this um, soul duality. And all other cultures believe it, particularly in like West Africa, that souls have multiple parts. And um, the soul, or the uh, non, I'm probably butchering that pronunciation, um, has two parts, the Grovenange and the Tibenange. The Grovenange is the big guardian angel, and it represents like consciousness and personality. But the Tibenange is the little guardian angel, and it um, basically represents your uh, individuality, your personal will, your autonomy. And to create a zombie, a Mokur, or a uh, evil sorcerer, um, first uh, gives it, the victim some kind of toxin, yeah. um, mm-hmm. like the uh, pufferfish toxin that creates, that puts you into a... Um, it's a neurotoxin. Yeah, it, it triggers catalepsy, so you fall into like this deep, death-like state, and they get buried alive. And in Haitian folklore, once you're buried, um, your tibanage comes out of your grave and it waits at your grave for nine days. So during this period, the Bokor will capture your, your autonomy, will capture your individuality, raise the rest from the dead, and use your autonomy as its hostage to control the body. And um, so it's, it's very like, uh, much like a hijacking of, a truck. Yeah, know? it's very yeah. much a state of enslavement. Yeah. Um, but again, it comes from a very mystical root. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas um, current zeitgeist has zombies coming from um, some kind of medical. Yeah. It's a scientific basis. Yeah, it's like it, it's the uh, divide between science fiction and fantasy. Mm-hmm. And you see that you see that transition there in the pulp magazines in the '30s. They're, they know the the zombie lore, right. but they're taking it and adding a science fiction basis to it. So you've got the two kind of button heads with each other before they go straight which to the George Romero. Which is what yeah. we got in James Bond. We're yeah. just looking like Baron Samiti doesn't appear out of thin air. He has a little elevator uh, you know, stool kind of thing that yeah. pushes him up to the surface uh, while the smoke is flashing. It's, so, pulp, uh, it's pulp fiction, albeit it's put on the screen. Right. On the big right. screen. <coughs> um, and I saw a kind of analogy. Um, you know, Aristotle had this theory of the different types of life. Vegetative was the mm-hmm. basic, you know, life that vegetables have, but animals have it too. And then animals also have animal life, so they're animated, they move around. And then on the human level, you have the things that make us human, like volition. And and so if you can take that volition but leave the other stuff intact, then you have kind of a slave. And (laughs) I'm just laughing because I actually... For your class, I wrote my last paper on Aristotle. Oh, cool! <laughs> so, Do you remember what it was about? Oh yeah, I touched on his like contributions to the field of psychology. So I talked very oh, extensively about Oh, I gave you that souls. book, or told you what book to read. Yes, about. you did. The Anima. And yes, I read it. And there's and a book about <laughs> the Anima. Modern psychology comes from Aristotle. Oh yeah, people don't realize heavily so. Uh, I think uh, the uh, difference between the Haitian zombies and 
um, this idea of Aristotle, like if you can take the humanistic right. soul out, is that if you would have, if you could just take the humanistic soul out of a person, you'd have an animal that you can't control. It would be just like uh, another animal. Right. But for the Haitian zombies, an integral part of this mythos is that these are controlled. Their soul is being held hostage, essentially. Right. It's subverted their free will. Yeah. It's not so it, it's, it's slavery rather than, uh, like, right. transfiguration. They're not just turned into zombies. They're turned into slaves. Slaves. And, um... You know, I was going to bring in, we never did get to the Oxford English Dictionary (laughs) definition of zombie, but it traces it back ultimately to West Africa. They have this zombie, which means God, or zumbi, which means a fetish. Yeah, more like a sexual fetish. Not the sexual fetish, the the religious fetish. Although sometimes, well, that's another podcast. (laughs) Yes. That's not this podcast, folks. Different program entirely. Yeah. Um... That's what we do on Friday nights. (laughs) But they seem to have coalesced in Haiti. Like the the ideas that we have been talking about, the folklore zombie, seems to have come together in Haiti. But it made the hop to the United States, especially New Orleans. So why don't you tell us a tad about the Haitian Revolution, which led to such an exodus. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll just... I'll touch briefly on the Haitian Revolution. I think that this is Quinn. It is. It is Quinn. Hello. <laughs> I um. I think that the biggest, uh, the biggest thing that you can take away about the Haitian Revolution, as it relates to zombies, is that the Haitian Revolution was a slave revolt, basically. Um, the one successful slave revolt. Right, and it lasted from 1791 to 1804. Um, it was a slave revolt in the French colony of Saint Domingue. And uh, it led to the founding of Haiti, like the Republic of Haiti. Um, and actually, Haiti came to be, what, 1801? No, 1804, I'm sorry. And um, it was led by Toussaint Louverture, which probably anybody that's taken, like, oh, I don't know, eighth grade history classes probably familiar with. <laughs> but um, he was a self educated former slave. And basically, his entire deal was that he would fight, he and his, like, slave army would fight for the French if they would agree to free all of the slaves. Um, He didn't want to give too much power to the French. Uh, He basically worked with this general named uh, Etienne Laveau uh, to make sure that, like, every slave would be free after they achieved this revolution. Um, Basically... After they fought for, like, many, many years, he, um, they did succeed eventually, and they won concessions from the British, and they expelled, like, all of the Spanish forces. So, again, the biggest thing is that it's all about slavery. And then, going back to the Haitian mythos of the zombie... Zombies are basically slaves to their, I forget the word, but yeah. Um, So I think that that's probably the most important part, but. um, Well, there's a kind of spooky, uh, Stephen and I are editors of the Louisiana Anthology, and we have a kind of spooky story 
based in the yeah, but written by a Louisiana writer, but based in the Haitian Revolution, where this uh, mulatto, it's the mulatto is the name of the, the story. And he he returns to kill the evil master yeah. that's been so oppressive, and you know it's a much longer story, but just briefly chops off the man's head, and then the the headless or the the head as it rolls away says but I am your father, you know. Yeah. And that's why he's a mulatto, because the owner is also his, you know, biological father. That was a big thing about Patricide. the revolution. Absolutely. <laughs> um, there was a, a lot of times, the slave owners who were white, and actually the whites were a minority, and during the Haitian Revolution, there were many, like, massacres of white individuals and slave owners. But one of their biggest problems was that these white slave owners were... Uh, impregnating black women that were their slaves and then they would give birth to these this new class of people called mulattoes right. and actually it kind of flipped the class system around and so the mulattoes were actually on top for a good while and so but well and um, um, that makes me think of the uh, Kate Chopin story Desiree's Baby yeah. yes yes mm-hmm. yes where um, you find out that the dad is a uh, mulatto at the end it's a big shock yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh he has hidden it. Yeah, or his father had hid it from him. Right. Yeah. But then he burns the letter that would yeah. prove it. So. Um, well, and the way zombies came to the United States was from the revolution, because there was a big exodus. Oh, yeah. Um, about a third were slaves, about a third were white people, and about a third were the free people of color, mm-hmm. who were mixed race. And a lot, a lot of them came to New Orleans. Yeah. And uh, that's why New Orleans is associated with voodoo in general, but also with zombies. Absolutely. uh, So zombies. And as you read about the spread of the idea of the zombie, it kind of worked its way through the South. Mm -hmm. It was a a idea because it was carried by um, people who had met, you know, it was a folklore kind of thing spread am- along the plantations. Actually, the last time I was in New Orleans, I went on a, um, a ghost tour. Oh, cool. It was around town at night, and it was very, very cool, but we went to a Marie Laveau's house. We went oh, to the wow, yeah. And so the tour guide was telling us about, like, zombies and voodoo and everything, how it related to Haitian culture. And so I got to learn a little bit about it on that ghost tour, and it was just everything that they were telling us about, like, the symptoms of when, once you were zombified, basically. It was just so spooky. Well, and, um... <laughs> They brought Marie Laveau back on American Horror Story and she was a couple awesome. years ago. Oh, she was great. And she's working in the Ninth Ward as a hairdresser. You know, if, if you had eternal life, where would you hide out? Well, I'm, and, um, you know, that was at the beginning of Treme. Um, I think it was Kermit Rufin, who is a real trumpet player. Yeah. He, has, he likes to barbecue and, uh, you know, feed the people he's playing for and, Somebody was telling me, man, you got to get out of town and go where you can get the big time. What are you going to do? Just hang out here and eat barbecue and play the trumpet? And he looks at his friends, and they all just start laughing all at once. Because, <laughs> of course, that's what they're going to do. Yeah. Why would you do anything else? Exactly. If you have that life, what are you going to, you know, that's what you want. You don't necessarily want the most amount of money you can get. No. So, anyway, the, um, the zombie came here and I guess started... This is where I'm a little vague. Started spreading, and I guess that's where movies kind of picked up. Yeah, but, but uh, keep in mind that that's 
you know, a little over 100 years later, at least in film, in the cinematic adaptation, cinematic treatments. Um, but interestingly enough, now, if you think about it, when the zombies come here to, to the United States via the, the Haitian Revolution, that is also in the early days of a Gothic novel. Well, the zombie is a perfect character for a Gothic novel, right? It's perfect. For right, that, right. Gothic horror. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's perfect for that. Uh, that's you know. It sounds like the original I Zombie comic book kind of combines all of those, yeah. like the Monster Mash song or something. You know that song? Yeah. It's real old. It was a Monster Mash. Yeah, there was, <laughs> there was the Zombie Girl and Frankenstein and the Vampire. And, when Buffy did that too, you know, if you're going to have a series, well, most uh, urban fantasy series do that now. Like if uh, like a Grimm, right, right, he has tons of different like characters from like mostly European folklore. Mm-hmm. Real strong nod toward the Germanic, yeah. because Grimm. So everything's got a German name, like uh, uh, what do they call witches? A hex and beast. <laughs> well, you know, and that that's another genre that's of course very popular. That yeah. urban, it is urban, my favorite you know, genre. Horror. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You know, look, look at our former guest, you know, our recent guest, uh, Jay Dawn. Oh, that's on another podcast. But I'm just saying, she's you know writing that kind of stuff, so this, right. this would play with this. Yeah. You know, the whole Walking Dead thing plays into that whole kind of genre. When oh. Teen Wolf on MTV, <laughs> the guilty well, pleasure of mine, uh, it started out with werewolves, and now they've got all kinds of stuff, you know. Oh, yeah. In- you ever watch that? No. That's just you. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'm immature. <laughs> so we talk about the trailer. Talk about urban fantasy. The trailer for Fear of the Walking Dead made it seem as if something kind of mystical happens because you have that image of the priest with the glowing eyes. Oh, yes. So I'm excited to see how that's going to play out. Maybe there will be some kind of mysticism brought into the zombies. That would be interesting. And bring, or, it, bring it back to its roots. Or if... Perhaps if he's if the, the zombies, head zombie, or if the zombies are are a scientific. What do you think is going to happen if something like that happens? People from the church are going to claim that it's an act of God, right? So that's like the one of the first things that's going to happen if something scientific. Well, and one of the most interesting subplots of uh, Walking Dead is everybody loses their faith. Yeah. You know, you, some people want that religious to start with. But if you were, this just overwhelms it. Um, so. <laughs> you know, the priest that was on the series uh, last season just hid out in his church while everybody outside got eaten. And, uh, you know, people are asking him to pray for him. And he's like, he'll go through the motions, but oh, yeah. it's hard for him to find any faith anymore because, you know, not only has God apparently let the world down, but he let people down as well. No, oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's can a imagine 20, being in that situation. And Herschel, you know, century version of the Black Plague. Oh yeah, too. That, that's feeding into this. Herschel kept more of his faith, I guess, than anybody else. Have you been watching? Um, my mom watches it. Uh, I catch it occasionally with her. The grown-up show. Well, again, my mom's really into like the doomsday prepping, so right. she is adamant that some kind of apocalypse. So well, that show's been on for like five years, so you might have been I a little mean, young for it. And it I mean, I've always watched things that I'm too young for. Right. But, um, <laughs> no, my mom watches it like it's a training program. She's like, mm, what are they doing wrong? How can I prevent these things? <laughs> it's me, a like, training let me, video. Let me yeah. MacGyverize it or whatever. 
that's a good uh, system, I would say. I mean, you never know. You always want to be prepared. Yeah. I admire that. I got her a uh, worst case scenario survival guide book for her birthday. Cute. <laughs> worst case scenario. Do y'all have a bunker? Uh, no. But we live so far out in the country that we don't really need one. Have you seen those, like, escape pod looking things that people have been selling? You just, like, put them in your yard and they're basically bunkers. But, like, I've driven past, like, two or three houses in my life. So they just have these, like, up? big pods. It's like, I want a pod. Me too. So I you go in and lock like it. Yeah. It's like a panic room or something. Or something. Yeah. But if you don't bury it, people will know it's there and they can break in. That's what I was thinking. It doesn't make sense to have it so exposed. Right. But maybe these people that are buying it aren't really smart enough to realize that it's not really going to help them too much. Have you watched uh, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? I've seen the first two episodes. What is that? Uh, it's a show on Netflix called The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, she was... She was a pod lady. Yes. She was a mole woman. Um, she was... When she was really young, yeah, she was in a, a cult, and this priest kept her and a few other women. And like, that's in why a, she's unbreakable? Yeah, because she gets out, and she's starting her life. It's yeah. a comedy. Kimmy Schmidt? Yeah, yeah, the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I've heard of that one. It's actually it's really, really funny. It's really funny. <laughs> I enjoy it. Oh, it's like uh, Why You Were Out. Yeah. Where they went into the bunker and came out... Oh, there are these people, they're doing breakdancing. It must be the end of civilization. Yeah. Uh, she went in when she was, like, 12 years old and yeah. then came out as an adult. So she still has Moved to New York. of a 12-year-old. <laughs> yeah. And also there's the Rip Van Winkle thing yeah. where you don't recognize, what's an iPhone? Well, that's, again, that's kind of what happened in Walking Dead. Rip Van Winkle suddenly yeah. wakes up. And they're zombies. And I wonder, like, there's a lot of speculation about what year it is. I was just about so we need to keep an eye out for iPhones and yeah. you know, cell phones. It's, it's What's the, the technology? That's a big trope in zombie things. The it's near future. Well, except near the near future, future was like 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like kind of frozen for when the yeah. comic book came out. So I'm sure that, you know, the original comic books couldn't have iPhones because they didn't well, have them yet. I mean, it doesn't stay that close to the comic book where they would not update the cell phones and stuff like that. Right. Like, they've updated technology, and, like, in in the, um, that little town that the government has. Yeah. It's pretty up-to-date. Like, they don't have internet or something, because they don't have people to do it, but they have, like, it seems pretty up-to-date. They have electricity. Yeah, once you kind of take out the internet and TVs, it's really hard to place time. True. Do we know, like, definitively what time period The yeah, Walking Dead is? It's more or less... Well, yeah, it's when the... I would say 2005, because that's when the yeah. uh, started. comics started, right. So you're kind of frozen there, because if you've been watching The com- Walking Dead for the last seven years, it's like six months. No, yeah. it's enough time for that woman to have a baby and for the baby to... So maybe a year and a half have passed, so you know, 2007 at the latest. But if Fear of the Walking Dead is a prequel, sort of... It could be yeah, 2004, be, but are they going well, to do that with the phones yeah, and everything? Are I they think, just going to say, hey, let's make it 2015, whatever? Kind of like well, Nokia's. I think that right. really big ones. having yeah. it set in the near future kind of makes it scarier, because yeah. it's, like, it's something that could happen. Right. Yeah. So I think that, I don't know, I've always, I've always yeah. interpreted 
it as being something that's going to happen. Like yeah. the old Max Headroom series, 20 minutes into the future. Right. <laughs> like, if it were set in 2004, you could be like, nah, I was alive in 2004. There's that no way this happen. could have happened. Right. But if it's set in the near future, you have this, like, it's this uneasiness yeah. of the unknown. It's like, this could definitely happen. It's an uncanny <laughs> feeling while you watch it. You're right. Like, it's basically our time, but just far enough ahead that it, it could be starting. I mean, we see... I saw the strangest shit. <laughs> I was driving into Alexandria a couple of weeks... No, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, and um, I got off... It was maybe Jackson Street. You know Alec at all? Oh, well, Unfortunately, anyway. no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice town. I like it. But I came across... They were knocking down a building. And so it was just like... The broken tooth kind of brick, yeah. you know, looking, and there's this thing, and except the um, the machine is deserted. Whoever was on it has left, oh. and then there's somebody just like bent over in the you oh, know my. nearby, just like I don't know what they were. They might have been digging up a bottle or something, but or a body. Just, I know it looked <laughs> it looked like the zombie apocalypse all uh. of a sudden. And you got these things in. Uh, what, Florida, where people eat people's faces yeah, off? Yeah, get high on bath salts and then start yeah. eating people's flesh. <laughs> messed up. I know. I've been like, man, there was one summer summer break where, you know, I was living the life, staying up until 4 a.m. and then not waking up until like 2 p.m. Oh, I love that. And uh, <laughs> I woke up one morning, well, afternoon actually, and it was like none of the televisions worked and the internet was out. And then there was nobody on the road. Had you forgotten to pay the uh, <laughs> electricity bill? But for some reason, my first thought was not that. It was more like, this is zombie it. Apocalypse. This is the zombie apocalypse. And now I have to deal with this. <laughs> Did I buy milk? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and this what are we going to do after this the toilet with these films, out. too? Again, the films, they really reflect, reflect the fears of the <laughs> Yeah, they absolutely. reflect those fears. Whatever it could be, Cold War. So you're fearing, a, you know, or the Cold War era. Well, in the first uh, Night of the Living Dead was a metaphor for the civil rights movement mm-hmm. because the main hero was this black guy right, right, right. who's trying to save these people and all these white people acting like idiots and he's trying to keep them alive. Right. Uh, and himself, of course. And then you have the ones following that, where you have right. you know, one of these mentions. Which less of a metaphor for well, race. Well, but you have other things, other social ills, and also just the fears of nuclear war coming along. Uh, pollution, well, like a, a, one of these references, a mutagenic gas that gets out. And, yeah. yeah. Or something like that. And that was kind like, of a comedy. Or, yeah. Com- what was that movie? Let's see. Uh, or it was in the agents. 80s. Yeah. Let me see if I can find it. I think you're thinking about the way they're turtles. Here in the article from Wikipedia that, that uh, the zombie lineage can actually, at least in the West, be traced back to Gilgamesh. I don't remember any zombies huh. in Gilgamesh. There's probably some <laughs> undead something or other there. Something or other. Let's see. He faced the bull of heaven. The first thing was Enkidu. Yes. Uh, then the, the Humbaba, the forest demon. Yeah, tree guy. Um, and yeah, the this disease. is this is so this is really actually when I was in high school or starting tech. Maybe this they're is, thinking Humbaba. This is a hell of the living dead. Referenced a mutagenic gas as the source of the zombie contagion. Which one was it? Uh, hell of the living dead. Uh, that's not the one I'm thinking about. And Return of the Living Dead also featured a, a mutagenic gas. 
there was also a remake of Night of the Living Dead. This was done like 15 or 20 years later. And in the original movie, the one person that got away was this girl who had not said anything. It was basically a wallflower. She's just sitting there, Zelda, she's waiting to be rescued, right? When this one, she still doesn't say anything, but she's so badass, you know, she learns to start killing these things themselves, (laughs) eventually ties the thing around her hair like you do, uh, and uh, then um, at the very end, she's the one that survives, but she's walking through the camp with all the rednecks who, they've hung up uh, zombies and they're shooting at them. They hang upside down from trees just for fun. Sounds wonderful. And, uh, (laughs) you know, she's kind of found her place, you know. Uh, Yeah. Very, very feminist. fits in. Right. And uh, (laughs) it's kind of a Buffy kind of vibe to it. And I can't remember the date, like if it was before Buffy or after. But it's really, you know, because traditionally women in all of these monster movies are there to be the victims, and they're there to scream, and somebody's got to run up and save them if, right. if that's going to happen. Um, and so toward the end of the 20th century, we started seeing that change. Joss Whedon was, of course, a big breakthrough in that, but yeah. there was this other thing, and you see that more and more. And, you know, we've watched, like, Carol in uh, The Walking Dead, who was browbeaten by her husband. Um, I think that's Carol. Like, she was an abused spouse, and eventually her husband is out of the way, and she starts flowering under, you know, the zombie apocalypse, and she becomes the most badass. You know, she's very ruthless. Like, she'll kill people who need killing. Uh, That's it. They were dead. They were dying, so I killed them before they could turn into zombies and eat us, you know. Yeah. And then they they move into this, like, quiet enclave, and... She totally goes like, you know, I'm going to put on a sweater and bake cookies for everybody and just appear to be this nice little housewife. So it's a chameleon, though. Everybody knows her knows she's just doing this to fool that community so they'll let their guard down and she can do more effective reconnaissance. Yeah, if you um like horror movies with strong female leads. It's nothing to do with zombies, but I feel it's like my life's goal to like plug this movie as much oh. as humanly possible. It's plug called, away. It's called You're Next. You're it's like, Next. It's like a slasher film, kind of. It's like it's a bunch of family members in a house, and then people are like trying to kill them and everything. And you've got this female lead who turns out she's like somehow, some way, she was like trained to be like an assassin, basically, and so she just like handles everything with finesse. And she's, like, <laughs> she's just like the greatest ever, and it's just it's perfect. It's a good movie. Do you know who plays? Good question. I have no idea. Uh, but it is I'm on looking Netflix. It up as we Netflix. So look it up. It's very good. Here it Watch is. it. <laughs> who is it? Hold on. Um. Sharni Vinson. Sharni Vinson. Hadn't heard of her. It's an independent you know, slasher film from 2011. It made, I mean, Buffy made Sarah Michelle Geller a big star. Yeah. And a lot of the other people in it have yeah. gone on to other stuff. Angel got his own TV series. Right. And then now he's Bones. Yeah. Um, he's about the same. Willow, the actress who played Willow. Oh, yeah. Uh, Allison something. Hannigan? Allison Hannigan, yeah. yeah. She's super popular now. Well, she was on How I Met Your Mother mm-hmm. for like 
20 years. That was a long-running show. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, American Pie and all yeah. of its sequels. One time at Ben Kemp. So your your next gets a fairly decent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It gets a seventy five percent level of freshness. It's a good movie. Everybody needs to watch it. Just, just sign up for Netflix after, like a free trial after The Walking Dead. And we will be giving spoilers in these shows, by the way. So yeah. Watch the show before you listen to the podcast. Yes. Maybe we better give a warning every show. Spoiler alert. We aren't getting paid by AMC. We're just fans. <laughs> <laughs> it's a group of nerds. That's it. That's it. At a coffee shop. Yeah. Beignets and zombies. <laughs> Except the beignet machine is broken today. Yes. Maybe next time. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out when the machine is fixed. Yeah. Okay, well, we've been going an hour, so... Uh, Yay. That was a good episode. Yeah, we did a good job. I think yeah. so, too. A Thank you for joining too. us, Savvy. No Thank you. you ever need me back? We yeah. might do that, definitely. <laughs> need to, more explanation about zombie history. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, for Fear the Walking Dead podcast, I'm Bruce McGee. And I'm Steve Payne. I'm Quinn Warner. <laughs> We'd like to thank all of you for listening to this week's episode. We hope that you'll join us next time for the uh, newest episode of Fear of the Walking Dead podcast. Bye for now.